Let me start by saying I can't and I won't say everything. Six days ago, Monday, I had what in my mind was a beautiful, wonderful picture. I was going to give you this overarching view, everything the Bible has to say about the Sixth Commandment, about adultery, about sex, and you were going to leave just, it was going to be wonderful. But it's just not possible. God says way too much, and, and as the week wore on, um, that dream didn't become a, reali a reality. It became an illusion, and frankly, I told myself, and I'm telling you, that's okay. There's more to be learned and more to say than what I'm going to tell you. I thought that I should do that, even though I can't, um, because it's not often we just straight up talk about it in church. We, we might mention it here or there, but I, I don't know. I, in my years of being a pastor, six plus years now, I've never spent a whole week on the Sixth Commandment. Um, I don't know when we'll do it again. So even though I can't say everything, Here's one directive for you. Talk about it. Discuss it. As a church, talk about it with your friends, with your family, with me, your pastor. Don't hold it in. Don't push it down. Talk about it. And sure, yeah, it might be awkward or, or there might be shame and guilt attached to it, but this is way too important to not talk about it. It's way more important than any amount of awkwardness ever. So don't be silent. Discuss it. Bring it up. Because it's a huge part of our lives. Now, I'm not going to say everything. I'm going to give you two things here that we're not going to talk about much today. But we could. And you should. Number one, I'm not going to go into detail about how sex can't be selfish. It can't be. That's just not how God designed it to be. Sex can't be for you. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31 says, whether you eat or whether you drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. We could talk for a whole sermon just about that. But yes, included in the whatever you do is sex and sexuality. It can't be for you. It can't be selfish. Selfishness is always wrong. And secondly, we're not going to talk about pornography, though we could, because it's a huge thing, bigger than probably any one of you realizes. And it's not just in men, it's also in women. It's not just in people of a certain age, it's among boys and girls too, younger than you would ever like to think. It's all around. It's a huge thing. We're not going to talk about it, but let me say this to all of you. If you struggle with it, and I guarantee there are people in this room who do, like the stats are overwhelming. If that's you, come talk to me. I'm not going to look down on you. I'm not going to bat an eye. We're going to talk about sin and forgiveness, and I'll connect you to a ton of great resources. Um, and if you know someone who struggles with it, talk to them. Try to get them to come and talk to me anytime. And I promise, I will not make you feel any worse than you already do. I will give you forgiveness, and God will give you strength to work through it. So we're not going to talk about those two things. What we're going to do is look at some of Jesus' very simple words. They come right on the heels of what we talked about last week when he said, you've heard don't murder. I also tell you don't be angry. They're the same thing. This week, from Matthew 5, his Sermon on the Mount, here's what Jesus had to say. 
You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now there was a pastor who said once, church should be like AA or NA, where we all come in the door and we say, hi, I'm Nathan and I am a sinner. I am an adulterer. I need a rescuer. He said, that's how church should be. And the pastor who said that, he was exactly correct. Jesus' point in Matthew 5, it was simply to convict. It wasn't to try to get us to think, oh, I've kept the sixth commandment in all these ways and I've, I've succeeded against temptation this many times. Or, ooh, that person or that couple or that, you know, they have obviously not but I have. Like, that is not the goal of Matthew 5 or the 6th commandment. Jesus' goal was to convict us, to expose us to our own sexual sins, actions or thoughts or desires. His goal was to expose us and cause us to fall down and say, I need a rescuer. I can't do this. As I've said, I think more weeks than not in this series, the 6th commandment, just like all the other ones, It's not a ladder to try your best to climb closer to God, and if you're sexually pure, then he likes you better. No, it's an impenetrable wall. Like, we hit it, we fall smack on our faces, and all we can do, we fall smack on our backs, and all we can do is look up and say, God, rescue me. I need a Savior. That's what the Sixth Commandment is all about. It shows us how we have wrecked a good gift from God. And that's what sex is. It is a good gift. It is a good gift. I said this at the beginning, I'll say it again, but people throughout history, and probably especially people in the church, have tried to say, well, you know, sex is good, but it's mainly or mostly or all about procreating and having children. Like God said in Genesis, be fruitful and increase in number. But I'm telling you, it, it can't, that can't be right, both logically and more importantly, biblically. Because logically, what about, what about married people who, for whatever reason, can't have children or don't have children? Does God say, oh, no children, then sex is not a good gift for you? Or what about when you're past the age of childbearing? Do you get to a certain age and then God says, okay, this is for husbands and wives, but for you, no longer? It can't be logically and also biblically. Again, read Song of Songs. We only just got into it earlier with four verses. There are no children in Song of Songs. And it says over and over again in a lot more and much more colorful and flowery language that sex is good. Sex is good. Um, I'm guessing our histories are all different. But I'm guessing at least some of you grew up in a, whether it was in a church or just in a household, where the general feeling about it or, or what was actually said was, was just this, um, like, sex, be careful. Sex, watch out. Sex, bad. Sex, dirty. Sex, don't. And if that's all that you ever heard from your church growing up, do you think it's easy to all of a sudden get married 
And now you're in the situation where God designed sex as a good gift. And now, do you think it's easy to flip the switch after for how many years you've heard sex don't, sex careful? And now, oh, now the switch flips and it's a good gift from God. No. There was a pastor I heard. He said he wanted his kids to know this about sex. And at the time he said this, I think his kids were like 9 and 10. Um, he said the first thing he wants his children to know about sex is that mommy and daddy do it and they enjoy it and it's great. He said that sex is something that happens between a man and a woman who have committed themselves to love and respect. He said he wanted his children to, like when you hear the song on the radio and it's, it's just very sexual, or you see the token sex scene in the movie, he said he wanted his kids to know that that was just off. Because what they had learned, God says about sex, is more beautiful and lovely and pure than all of those things. Sex is good. And, like I told the kids, just like every other good gift that God gives, yeah, it can be abused. It can be messed up. And it can go incredibly bad. Now, I don't think you need me to go into great detail about adultery and lust and all the other sexual sins. I think God has blessed our consciences with a pretty good barometer of what's right and what's wrong. If you have questions, definitely, or you have thoughts, or you're wondering, like, come and talk to me. But what I'm more interested in is the sin underneath the sin this morning. And that's that you, we, humanity in general, when it comes to sex, we tend to think that we need it. We think it's the most important thing, and we're willing to kind of push God's words out of our mind in order to get what we think we need. And in that way, it might sound crazy, but you treat it as a God in and of itself. Martin Luther said this, this is just about every sin, but it definitely applies here. He said, The sin behind every sin is the lie that we cannot trust the love and grace of Jesus and that we must take things into our own hands. He said that's the sin behind every sin, and it's the sin behind every sexual sin, too. Another commentator said it this way, Every time we sin, we are cheating on God. Our failure to believe that God has given us everything we need and long for causes us to look for love in all the wrong places. Unbelief is the root that gives birth to all our unfaithfulness. The truth is, everything is already ours, free of charge through Jesus' sacrifice and forgiveness. Our failure to believe that causes us to look under every rock and behind every tree for love. That is exactly what happened to King David. He saw, he lusted, and then he acted. Um, you can read, there's a lot more to this story, but 2 Samuel 11 says this. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. 
he had already sinned long before he acted. Because he hadn't just seen her, he had looked at her. He had lusted after her, he had desired, he had plotted, and then he acted. He knew. He knew that she was married. He knew that she had a husband. He knew that her husband was away at war. what, What was he thinking? Was he thinking that this was an exception and that it was okay? Or that her husband wouldn't find out? Or I don't know what he was thinking. But the fiery gift of sex caused great destruction. Actually, it was the human sin using the fiery gift of sex that caused great destruction. Because if you keep reading the story, this led to murder and it led to a child's death. And when I read this and and when I look at my own life and the lives of everybody else, the question comes to mind, why, why would anyone, why would anyone live according to the sexual ethic that God designed us to live in, where sex happens in one place inside of marriage? And I think the only answer is, ultimately, the answer is that you trust God. And you trust that whatever God says, because he is so good, that whatever God says is what is ultimately best for you, even if it doesn't make sense. Even if you have questions about it or doubts about it, you trust that because God is so good, what he says is the best for you. And that... That's what we see in Joseph. I read this story to you earlier. Potiphar's wife was after him in a bad way. She wanted him so badly. And what did he say? Sure, he said, hey, Potiphar's given me like reign over the household. I can't mess that up. But ultimately, his answer was this. He said, how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? It wasn't, how could I do such a thing and sin against my master, Potiphar? How could I make him angry? It wasn't that. And Notice this, his answer also was not, hey, Potiphar's wife, I don't desire you at all. I don't want to be with you at all. He didn't say that. He was definitely tempted. His answer was, I couldn't go against my God. My God is so good and so big, I could not deliberately go against something that he says. Because what my God says for me is good for me. And I trust that more than I trust you, Potiphar's wife. Now the truth is, there is sexual sin in every single one of our lives. Whether it's an action, lots of actions, a thought, something in our heart that's not even really a cogent thought. It's in our past. It's in our general present, and it's going to be in the future. And so what I need you to hear, most of all, is that whether it's your 400th time here or your first time here or your first time watching online, you, a sexual sinner, are welcome here, and you are welcome in heaven because Jesus loves sexual sinners. That's the most important thing. And now right along with that, don't embrace the sin. This goes for every, every single sin. Don't embrace the sin because you can't embrace two things. You can't embrace Jesus and the sin at the same time. You can only hold on to one thing. And let me promise you, Jesus' embrace is far greater than the embrace of any short-term pleasure, anything that any temptation is giving you. Or trying to promise you, and that goes 
for sexual temptations too. And back to the most important thing. If you miss everything else, take this home. Sexual sin is forgivable. And not just that it's possibly, or it's possible for it to be forgiven. No, sexual sin has been forgiven. forgiven. Jesus has forgiven your sexual sin and mine too. There's an old pastor. He's in his 70s now. And he told the story once. Um, A woman came to him, and she was part of his church. And she said, Pastor, um, you know a bunch of years ago I I had an abortion. And he said, yeah, you told me about that. And she said, well, well, let me tell you about this guy that I just got married to. I, I, I met him. And then we started dating, and when we started dating, I thought, oh, he could, he could be the one. I got to tell him about my abortion all those years ago, but I just couldn't. And then we got engaged, Pastor, and I thought, I got to tell him about my abortion. And then we got married, and it's wonderful. We've been married a couple months, and I, I'm still thinking, I got to tell him about my abortion, but I, I just can't. And so, Pastor, I just had to talk to someone, and so here I am. I got to talk to you. And the pastor said, well, Thanks. Thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing this. You know we have a service for this type of thing. And she said, yeah, yeah, I know. So they went through a little rite where she confessed her sin and he said with a smile on his face, God has forgiven you for all your sin, including that abortion. And they said a prayer. And after they prayed, she looked up and said, oh, pastor, thank you. Thank you so much. I, you know, now I think I've got the courage to go and tell my husband about my abortion. And the pastor just looked at her and he said, he said, what abortion? What abortion? God promises us that he he does not remember our sin. He doesn't remember it anymore. He says it in Jeremiah. He says it in Hebrews. He says he has removed our sin as far as the east is from the West, there's a hymn writer in 1838 named Samuel, I always forget his last name, Gandhi. He said, he said, well may the accuser roar of sins that I have done. I know them well and thousands more. My God, he knoweth none. The sins that we can't forget, our God can't remember. What abortion. What sexual sin? To God it does not exist. And get this. Ephesians 5 says this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And the church is you. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. That's baptism. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. My dear people, you're the bride. You're wearing white. You are pure and blameless. There is not a stain or a wrinkle or even any of the smallest blemishes on you no matter what you have done. What sexual sin? God has washed it completely 
away. And with a God like that, who has that kind of mercy and grace and compassion, he's filled with it for you. With that kind of God who gives you a good gift like sex. When he says, here's how I've designed it to be for you. How could he be wrong? How could he have anything but the best in mind for you when it comes to the good gift of sex. So trust him. Because he's that kind of God with that kind of grace, mercy, and compassion. What abortion? What sexual sin? He is the guardian of intimacy, the guardian of sex, and the guardian, the eternal guardian of every single one of your hearts. Amen.